Thank you for joining us for another strategic word. Network Edification is committed to the advancement of the kingdom in all spheres through the ministry of God's word, leadership development and church planting. Get ready to be enlightened. This morning, afternoon, nearing, I'm excited to bring God's word to us and um, I want us to set our focus and set our attention. Yesterday night, I started sharing uh, some very vital things with us, and I looked at uh, administering the wisdom of God, and I mentioned to you that my focus yesterday was more so to do with your personal edification as a believer. We looked at the knowledge of God and how you can pursue the excellency of the knowledge. And today we want to look at um, the product or the effect of the pursuit of the excellency of that knowledge beyond you, because it's important that we we do that. Let's pray. Let's pray this uh, this afternoon or this morning, this morning afternoon. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word, and we thank you again for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And we pray that you will take us to heights in you that we have never experienced before and that will be established in the truth that you revealed to us today in jesus mighty name we pray book of ephesians chapter 3 quickly this has been our theme scripture for um conference this year i want you to do something i want you to um, go back over all the messages that have been preached starting friday night um a pastor for me session Saturday morning uh, and then the leadership collective and of course the message yesterday night and obviously today it's going to be important for you to make sure that you invest in that way but Ephesians chapter 3 and I'm going to literally just uh, read from verse 8 Ephesians 3 8 give you some context to what we're looking at today administering the manifold wisdom of God the administration of the manifold wisdom of God. The Bible says that to me who am less than the least of the saints, this grace was given to me that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of this mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ. Please, if you're highlighting, on, um, please, I want you to highlight that God created all things through Christ. Now, the Bible says um, uh, to the intent that now, someone say now, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God uh, might be made known by the church to principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Amplified uh, classic or so says that, it says that the many-sided complicated wisdom of God complicated not in the sense that God is complicated but it's complicated in the, in terms of the the multifacetedness of it or the um, the multi-dimensional uh, scope of that that wisdom and this is this is very very important basically and the Bible says that it is God's intention that his manifold wisdom, is made known um, by the church, by the church. So the wisdom of God is not just revealed to the church. The knowledge of God is not just for the church. The knowledge of God is, or the wisdom of God is meant to be revealed through the church. 
So in other words, the church is the agency that drives the knowledge of God. In, in, uh, in the book of Colossians, the Bible says that we are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. But also as you read um, you know, in the book of Ephesians, you would see that the Bible talks about how Jesus is the head of the body. Jesus is the head of all things. Jesus is Lord over all things, but he is the head of the church in particular. You see, the church is one with Christ and Christ is one with the church, but then all things are not one with Christ. All things are going to come under the feet and the subjection of Christ, even as they are, but the church particularly has this oneness with him. And, and the word says here in the book of, uh, in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 that what God wants to do is that he wants the church to reveal uh, his manifold wisdom. This is powerful. And, and what, what gets me here is the, uh, is the object or is, the, is those who this manifold wisdom have been revealed to. And the Bible says is to principalities and powers in heavenly places now we immediately understand that we are not talking it when we say principalities and powers in heavenly places we understand immediately here that we are not talking about um human beings okay we're talking about spiritual beings now the reason why yesterday i started to stir this conversation in you with regards to um you know uh, desiring the excellency of the knowledge is because you know, God wants to bring us into deeper things, okay? And not only does God want to bring us, into, bring us into deeper things, God wants those things to be normal. God wants those things to be normal, okay? The supernatural is the natural of God, right? The supernatural is the natural of God. And so God wants those things to be normal. So when we begin to talk and we speak this way, this should be normal to the believer. You are so called to reveal God, that you're called to reveal God to principalities and powers in heavenly places. I want to explore um, with us um, this morning. So if you, if you didn't get the foundation yesterday, then, you know, make sure that you go back over it to understand the foundation. I want to explore this aspect of us revealing the wisdom of God to principalities and powers. The book of Acts chapter 17, quickly, if you look at the book of Acts chapter 17, and I want us to um, to go from verse verse uh, sixteen, Acts seventeen sixteen. This is going to help your um, your your understanding of the mystery of Christ. Now the Bible says that now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore. He reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the gentle worshippers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain uh, uh, Epicurean and Stoic philosophers um, encountered him and some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said he seems to be a, proclaim, a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And so they took him and brought him to Arepagus saying, may we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak for you're bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who went there, spent their time, they're doing nothing else but to essentially to gossip. 
<laughs> okay, so in verse 22, this is a, a, a bit of a long scripture, but it's important for you to get the context. In verse 22, the Bible says that then Paul stood up in the midst of Areopagus and said, men of our things, he says, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. Some version says you are superstitious. For as I was passing through and considering the object of your worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with human hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he gives life to all, breath to all things. And he has made from one nation. Now, this is where we're going to stop at verse 28, 29. He has made from one nation uh, every, oh, sorry, he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling. Now, verse 27 is this. It says, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he's not far from each of us, for it is in him that we live, we move and have our very being. Now, this is quite, this is quite interesting. You know, I love, I love the ministry of Paul because Paul had such a, he had such an understanding uh, of the call that God placed on his, on his life. You know, in Ephesians 3 that we, we read previously before Acts 17, Paul was talking there to the Gentiles and he talked again about how God had given him a ministry to the Gentiles to make all men see what is the mystery of this, of this fellowship. And, and so Paul really had this call to the Gentile nation and was so strategic in the delivery of the, of the gospel to the Gentile nation. Now here, Gentile nations, now here we are in Athens. Paul actually was going through Athens, not intentionally. What happened was that they were transitioning from one city to the next. And whilst he was waiting for uh, his fellow brethren, the Bible says that whilst he was waiting around that, his spirit was stirred and provoked because in Athens, the Bible says that he saw the idolatry of Athens. Uh, 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 um, uh, a commentary uh, said something so funny that uh, Athens was such that if you were not careful, you had more idols than people, right? That was how, uh, this was how much um, idol worship that they, uh, that, they, that they did. They had, uh, they had uh, names for you know, several gods, but in, in particularly in, in an interesting way, uh, they had a particular altar that, that day, they put an inscription called to the unknown God. So the culture of Athens was, was trial and, 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 and error, basically. And so on every side in Athens, there were idols, there were images, there were temples everywhere, basically. Um, now, Paul's, Paul's provocation, and I want you to understand, this is why I'm taking you on this journey. Paul's provocation here came from this deep sense of understanding that, it ha that he had with regards to God's, um, God's agenda 
for the dispensation. The Bible says, now remember this because this is where I want you to be able to piece the revelation together. The Bible says that God has called the church to reveal his wisdom to principalities and powers. Those principalities and powers are angelic rulers, both in the kingdom of light and in the kingdom of darkness. In the kingdom of light, the angels of God learn from the church. The church has such capacity to reveal God that angels can begin to take note when God is in operation. But so it is as well that in the kingdom of darkness, God loves to show off the excellency of his knowledge through the church. For example, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Bible says that if the princes of this world knew, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, what the fact is, um, if Paul was saying at that time, that if the princes of this world knew they wouldn't have crucified the glory, the, the Lord of glory, if he said that at that time, in that kind of still early dispensation of the church, progressively as the church begins to enter into the reality of what Jesus has done, principalities are finding out that they made a big mistake being involved in the crucifixion of Jesus. I want you to understand with me. Now, so here is Paul, he's, he's in Athens, and in this whole surrounding of idolatry, uh, there are certain things that um, Paul had to really deal with here, but he could not deal with it without really entering into the, the depth of the, uh, of, of the surrounding spiritually. Now, it's interesting because when you look at uh, verse, um, uh, if, if, sorry, if you read from, from verse, um, from verse 24, it says that God who made the world and everything that it that that everything in it, since He is the Lord of heaven, does not dwell in temples made with human hands, nor is He worshipped with men's hands as though He needs anything, because He gives life. And then He says He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. But He says He has determined. They are pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Now, what Paul is doing here is that he's shedding a light on the darkness that Athens um, had towards um, idols. He's bringing some, uh, some insight. When you, uh, last year at conference, we, we taught some things which I'm going to touch briefly on just so that we can understand uh, the consistency of revelation because it is as though Paul is taking the people of Athens back into an Old Testament reality to help them trace the root of their idolatry so that they can be delivered into Christ and the power of their idolatry was such that it informed their culture it informed their arts their money was involved in it. Their economy was invested in their idolatry. Their culture was invested in their idolatry. Their arts was invested in their idolatry. Okay, now I'm saying that their creativity was inspired by their idolatry. Now, and I'm saying all of this because I want you to understand what it is to, to know God and to be known of God, or what it is to... Uh, please, please, uh, uh, please pardon my expression. What it is to give yourself to another deity and to be known of that deity. It is, it is more than, it is more than worship. It is control. It is 
the determination of destiny. I've said this oftentimes that it is, it is what determines your worth is who you worship. What determines your values is who you worship. That is what shapes your construct. Athens essentially was defined by the idols that they served. And for Paul to have been able to shatter this and to change this nation, he had to go back and help them understand their roots. He said that God made everything, but God does not dwell in temples made with human hands. But he says that this God, what he has done is, what he did in times past was that he determined the boundaries of nations right he determined the, the boundaries of nations so that the nations will seek after the Lord in hope that they might find him even though he's not far Paul is referring to something here what is Paul referring to is something that um, um obviously for for those of us in network education churches we've we, we've we've looked at Paul is referring to this really interesting dynamic in the book of Genesis now, in the book of Genesis chapter, uh, chapter 11, the Bible lets us know that there was a time that um, uh, the sons, the, the, the people on the earth, that the Bible says that they sought to build a, a, a tower that would reach, that would get up to heaven, okay? The Bible says that they came together, right? The Bible says they came together and then what they did was they decided that they will build up to heaven. And so the Bible says that when God saw their unity, this is powerful, God said that there is nothing that they've determined in, in their heart that would not be done. Now, that's a different message. I don't want to get into that. So God, what God did, the only way that God could um, essentially put an end to the project was to confuse their language. The Bible says, God said, let us go down and confuse their language. And so in that moment, what happened was that nations were divided and nations were formed by the, by the diversity of language. Now, now, the Bible says this, this is what Paul is referring to here, that he calls it God determining the boundaries of their dwelling. And so what God did here was that nations were distributed. But now it's, it's something so interesting that um, we, we want to, to emphasize again, because again, we were more interested in the consistency of truth, right? In the consistency of truth. As, as we begin to study the scripture, sorry, I'm just going to bring up my, my notes here. As we begin to study the scriptures, you know, we begin to see, uh, for example, in the book of, um, of, of, um, of Deuteronomy, basically, where uh, uh, there's, there's the speakings of God. And the Bible goes on to talk about how when God divided the nations, that God divided the nations according to the number of the sons of God. When God divided the nations, he divided the nations according to the number of the sons of God. This, this scripture here in the book of Deuteronomy shows us that this, this, um, this, this, this Torah of Babel dispersion, it was no ordinary dispersion. It wasn't just a case of God dividing the nations, but it was the case of God putting the nations under the governance, right? Under the governance of his heavenly counsel. So I'm just trying to flip through my notes to, um, uh, to 
to make sure. Sorry, yeah, Deuteronomy 32 from verses 8 to 9. Deuteronomy 32 from verses 8 to 9. Right, the Bible says, when the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided all mankind, he set up the boundaries for the people according to the number of the sons of God. For the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob his allotted inheritance. Some version says that God divided the nations. He set up the boundaries of the nations according to the number in his heavenly council. Or according to the number in his heavenly council. The word shows us here that when the nations were divided in the book of Genesis chapter 11, that they were not just dispersed, but they were set under some type of divine administration. Now, I want you to understand what's going on here because we're going to come to, uh, to the book of Acts 17 and you would understand why Paul was so stirred and why he was preaching the way that he was preaching. But also now notice this in Deuteronomy 32. He says that whilst the Lord divided or set up the boundaries of the nations according to the number of the sons of Israel, the Bible says that the Lord kept for himself Jacob. He says, for Jacob, Jacob was the Lord's portion and, he, and, and his people, um, his allotted inheritance, right? He says, Jacob was the Lord's portion, okay? Jacob was the Lord's inheritance. Now, this is so powerful, right? The nations were dispersed, but God kept Israel to himself, right? God kept Israel to himself, but the nations were dispersed under the leadership, okay? under the leadership of, of a government that God established. If we go to the book of um, uh, Psalm 82, right? Psalm 82, and you would see it um, from verses, uh, well, really the whole of Psalm 82. Let's just go there just so that we, we understand this a little bit more because there's so much power in what Paul is revealing here in the book of Acts 17. But for us to uh, understand it, we have to understand the journey and the context. In the book of Psalm 82 verse 1, he says, God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. He says, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? He says, defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the needy. Deliver the poor and the needy free them from the hand of the wicked they do not know they do not understand they walk on in darkness all the foundations of the earth are unstable now watch this this is key verse 6 i said you are gods all of you are children of the most high uh, but you shall die like men and fall like one of the prince, princes arise O god judge the earth for you inherit the nations okay this scripture here is so revelatory because this scripture literally solidifies what we read in the book of Deuteronomy 32. The Bible says that God divided the nations, separated the nations according to the number of his heavenly court, according to the number of the sons of God. These sons of God, we've thought on this, so I'm just doing this so that we can, you know, we can get it. These sons of God um, um, is, is, is what we're discussing in Psalm 82 that we just read. God is having a, a meeting in heaven with the sons of God and he's talking to them about how they did not administer uh, to the uh, administer his purposes 
on the earth correctly, how they were partial, how they did not judge correctly. And then God says, he says, I have said that you are gods, but you shall die like men. So we know there that God is not talking to men. He's talking to spirit beings. But now here is the key thing. The key thing I want you to understand is that these spirit beings that were set over the nations, right, that had governance over the nations, had gone into uh, into corruption, leading in the way that God didn't want. But the Bible says something, that God kept Israel for himself. God kept Israel. So Israel was a standout nation. The rest of the nations were known as Gentile nations. The idea of being Gentile was not just a, it wasn't an alternative name for being an Israelite, right? Uh, a, Gentile, uh, a Gentile would have been seen as an unbeliever. Right, so being Gentile was not just the alternative of being an Israelite. It was the fact that when you were Gentile, you were, you were seen as an alien to Israel's commonwealth in Christ, in, in God. That's, that was the thing. So the Bible says all the other nations apart from Israel, right, they were put under a different leadership. And the Bible says that Israel was reserved from God. So the way that other nations saw Israel in the Old Testament was they saw Israel as this sacred place, as this, as this holy people. They saw Israel as God's chosen people. They were, they were afraid of Israel. They knew that God was with Israel, right? I want you to, 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 to just take time to understand this, right? They knew that God was with Israel, but other nations didn't have that same reality. In fact, when, when, when we taught on this once, I talked about how, um, um, if you remember the story of Naaman, Naaman had leprosy. And Naaman came to, uh, uh, to, get, to, to get prayer from Elisha. And after he got prayed for, he asked Elisha, who was obviously in Israel, that if he could take some of the sand from Israel because of how people saw Israel as God's land. But the other nations didn't have the same reality. Now, what does this have to do with the book of Acts 17? Let's go to Acts 17. What this has to do with the book of Acts 17 is this is that Paul is, is giving, some, uh, is giving uh, these people the progressive understanding of what has shifted. That there was a time in history that God set the nations, okay, apart from Israel under, uh, the, sorry, apart from Israel under the administration, okay, of, of other gods. Why did he do that? Because God wanted to provoke jealousy in them. The Bible says God did this so that they would seek after him, so that they would yearn for him, so that they would be jealous for him. God chose to use Israel as an example of what the nations would look like if they would yield to him. Israel was God's example to the nations that if I am your God, if, if I rule over you, if I reign over you, this is how I will back you. This is how I will watch over you. This is how I will protect you. Israel was the example to the nations. God was God over Israel. But then to the rest of the nations, he gave them to other spiritual administrators. Now, the simple thing here is this. This is Paul's simple message. In, in the book of Acts 17, his simple message is, listen, what God wanted in you was to provoke a response, was to provoke a jealousy for him. That's what God wanted in you. 
right? These idols that were being that were being worshipped. I I was always um uh, uh not fascinated, but I was always uh what's the word now? I, I was always so critical. I'm still critical, okay, of idol worship because I thought how stupid could you be? No, in all honesty, that you you look at a stone, and then you say this is my god. I I think that's 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 just. That's a lack of complete common sense. That's not even spiritual. That's a lack of common sense. Stone that you can take and break yourself. Right? So I always thought, why did these guys do that? But then as I started to study, I realized that what they mostly did was that they believed that as they offered sacrifices, whether it was to wood or to stone or to, to, to a sculpture, whatever it was, they believed that the spirit of that deity was invoked into the very thing. That's what they believed. So they believed that they invoked the spirit of whatever it is that they worshipped into, into the object. That's what they believed. Okay. Now, this, this came from the fact that these people, they lived in, in an awareness of a supernatural world. Right? And that supernatural reality was this. Was that these these sons of God that have been rebuked in, in Psalm 82, right, became the custodians of the idolatry of the nations, right? They became the principalities that govern nations corruptly. So when we speak of principalities today, we're not talking about entities that don't exist. Well, I know, I know if you obviously, um, you know, came to yesterday's session, this is a little bit different. <laughs> All right. We're not talking about we're not talking about entities that don't exist because I'm trying to help you understand this thing where the Bible says God has called the church to reveal his wisdom to principalities. I want you to understand exactly what we're dealing with. These I this 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 Psalm 82 gods that are being rebuilt. If, if um, I know this is a Sunday morning, so we're limited in our time. But we have some messages we've taught on this that we really need to get to you. For example, the one from last year and some other messages. Because you want to listen to this to understand the theology of it. So I don't have time for all of the theology today. But now, but these idols that have been worshipped, their, their essence, their essence was these gods in Psalm 82 that have been rebuked. The principalities, these are entities. These are rebellious angelic princes. These are rebellious angelic spirits that govern over the nations, right? And a simple example of that is in the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel, the Bible says that as Daniel was praying, the Bible says that his prayer, that God, has, God had answered his prayer, but then he, he, uh, 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 he eventually, Daniel had, I won't say John, John also had visions, <laughs> plenty, all right? But then uh, um, uh, the Bible talks about how um, after Daniel had been fasting and praying, the Bible says that, that um, he had a vision. And what happened was this, was that the angel of the Lord came to him and said, Daniel, he said, from the day that you prayed, so I say from the day, from the day, okay? From the day that you prayed, your prayers were answered, and I was coming to you to deliver a message, but he said that the prince of Persia resisted me. Now, Persia was a physical place, and the angel of the Lord that was bringing an answer to Daniel, Daniel's answer said, the prince of Persia resisted him. It wasn't the physical prince of Persia that, the physical prince of Persia did not know an angel was coming. He probably couldn't have seen him, except obviously he had you know, 
winch. <laughs> okay, right? So he wasn't, he wasn't the physical prince. He was the principality over Persia, right? These rebellious sons of God that were given administration over the nations had become terrors to the nations, had become spiritual wickedness to the nations. And these were the spirits that fought the idolatry of the nations. These were the spirits that, that whenever people got into idolatry, they sought to invoke. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? These are the spirits. So the Bible says that Daniel was praying now and the angel of the Lord was bringing him an answer. And the Bible says that he was, he was resisted by the prince of Persia. Because of course, some of the stuff that Daniel was praying about in the time had to do with Israel's deliverance. Now watch this. Now, the prince of Persia is a spiritual entity. But this spiritual entity is affecting, was affecting political outcomes. Now, this is why I need, not just me, but God, but just my, you know, my apostolic side. I need, the Lord needs the church to wake up in this hour to the reality of what it is that we are dealing with. This is why I started talking to you yesterday about coveting the knowledge of God to a different level, that you've got to be spiritual, right? The Prince of Persia. Daniel is praying about Israel. He's praying. He's just praying in his room, praying about the outcomes. They're in captivity. He's in captivity, right? And then the next thing that happens, his prayer of the political situation of his people caused a reaction in the heavens. There is a very clear connection between what happens on the earth and what happens in the heavenlies. On the earth, I keep saying this, things don't just happen. Right, things don't just happen. Your life doesn't just happen. Things are controlled, governed, manipulated from the realm of the spirit. And a people who refuse to grow in the knowledge of God will un will under they, they would they would underperform, uh, sorry, not underperform. They would uh, what's the word I'm I'm looking for? Yeah, they would underproduce. Those who don't understand this. If Daniel had stopped praying, he didn't realize that just his prayer on, his, on the political situation of his people was, had a whole spiritual entity behind it. And the Bible says that in that warfare, the Bible says that the prince of, uh, uh, the Bible says that Michael, who was the prince over Israel, this is how we know that angels are not just with flabby wings flying all over the place. Angels are not babies, you know, they're not babies. Like, you know, it's, oh, that's an angel. No, angels are not. It's that angel is so cute. Angels are not just cute. Right? Angels are not just cute. Right? So we now understand then from that scripture that the Bible says that Michael, who was the prince over Israel, he says Michael had to come to fight the prince of Persia and join, I think it was Gabriel in his battle. Michael, how is Michael the prince of Israel? Did Israel not have a king? No. As you have, as you have uh, uh, earthly princes, you have angelic princes. You want to understand this because this is so key. So there was no way that Daniel was going to effect change in Israel that he would not have confronted the spiritual structures that opposed Israel. There are things you want to change today in the world. There are things you want to change in your life. There are things you want to change in your family. The things you want to change in your area. You're going to have to confront the, the spiritual hierarchies around it.
right? And the reason why the enemy loves to inspire people to build, um, uh, uh, to build or to commit to idolatry is because he wants to invade the space that they create. He wants space to be created for him. Satan is looking for gates. He's looking for access. He's looking for gatekeepers, right? Um, some of you, you are gatekeepers in your family. You're spiritual gatekeepers in your, in, in your workplace, right? The reason why the enemy wants you to compromise is because he wants to penetrate through you, right? He wants to penetrate. He wants to penetrate places through you. I hope you're understanding where I'm coming from because, because the whole point of this conference was to help you step up in this reality. Sometimes we completely forget that what is happening in the realm of the spirit is literally playing out on the earth. And a believer who does not have respect for the knowledge of Jesus will be a casualty. I keep saying it, if you're casual, you become a casualty. Right? If you're casual with your prayer life, you become a casualty. If you're ca casual, and, 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 and I said something yesterday. I said that the problem now is we can't challenge people to be spiritual anymore because apparently it's law, not grace. Right? Daniel was just a humble man, just praying. Just, how can your prayer in your room cause a whole cosmic battle? Right? So, coming now to the book of Acts. Here in the book of Acts 17, Paul has come in with this whole understanding and what he's saying to these people, he's saying that almost like, don't you get it that you guys don't have to worship idols, right? You guys don't have to give yourself to idols. He says there was a time, yes, God separated the nations, right? God separated the nations. Israel was God's elect. God said it was to Israel that God essentially first said, your chosen generation, your, ro your royal priesthood and a holy nation. It was, Israel was the first nation to understand royalty from God's perspective. And this was how it was. But then, this is what Paul was saying to them in the book of Acts. He was saying to them, he said, listen, there was a time that happened. Now it doesn't need to happen anymore. Because when it happened, what God wanted you to see, God wanted you to see an example and become jealous for it and become jealous for him. And in this jealousy, he says, perhaps you will seek him and that we will find him. And then he says, he is not far from you. And then Paul even, well, one of, one of the best messages I've ever seen in scripture, Paul even went on to talk about, Paul went into their poems and said, even in your poetry, there's a witness. He says, in your poetry, you say, uh, uh, for he's not far, it is in him that we live. It is in him that we move. It is in him that we have our very being. The spiritual bondage of Athens was such that they didn't, even, they didn't even realize how much their idols kept them bound. It determined their culture. It determined their heart. It took their money. It took their world from them. But here is what Paul is saying. And when you connect this to Ephesians chapter 3, this is why Paul in Ephesians 3, he's so strong about what he was preaching. He said this, oh, I feel like reading this all over again. I'm so excited. He said this, this then is the mystery that was hidden from before. He said the mystery is that Gentiles, Gentiles, Gentile nations like Athens will become fellow heads of the promises in Christ. These nations that were once estranged, right? They were once under the, the governance of other gods. He says that God, 
the way that he was going, it looked as if Israel was the only, it was just, Israel was the only apple of God's eye. But he said, this is the mystery, that when you come into Christ, these nations, these nations that were, that suffered the alienation of God for years, they now come into the commonwealth of God. I'm done. I have to close this thing so I can finish. <laughs> right. This is why Israel had a problem with other nations. You have to understand Bible history. Israel had a problem with other nations because, to be honest, it felt too easy for them. It felt too easy because Israel had to do, um, you know, they, as a nation, they had to, you know, obey the law. Um, they had to sacrifice animals. So when other nations started coming to God and they had equal rights with Israel, Israel, Israel as a nation or the, the Jewish people were like, huh? Like, how is that possible? Right? They were like, huh? How is that possible? That's too easy. That was how they felt. That was why they struggled. We're receiving, and they said to other nations, no, you can't just receive this gospel like that. You've got to be circumcised like us. You've got to obey the law. They said that because they had seen through their history. They had thought, wow, we are, the, we are, the, um, we are God's prized possession. But now the other nations, the other Gentile nations, we would have been Gentiles. or we, 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 Well, we're Gentiles, put it that way, <laughs> right? We would have been Gentiles. So these other nations now are coming into Christ and they're not coming into Christ as, as second class citizens. They're not coming into God as substandard people. They come into God, though they've been estranged for years, and they come into the equal standing of sonship that the same way that the Jewish people are blessed with the promises of God, the Gentile nations also are blessed in an equal measure. This is what Paul is saying. He was saying to the people in Athens, you don't have to live as second class citizens anymore. The door has been opened. The gate is now open. God now invites you to have this fellowship. Israel could not as a nation fathom why the other nations did not, didn't have to go through the processes that they went through. In fact, when you begin to read in, in the book of Galatians chapter 4, when, 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 when Paul is now teaching, uh, is teaching, the, is teaching the, the, the believers in, 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 in that area, he was saying to them, he said, he said, he said a, a, a child, um, a, a hair, sorry, as long as is a child is not different from a servant. He says, but then he's put under tutors and governors and, and, and administrators until the time appointed of the father. And he says, then he says, he says, and so that's how we Jewish believers were. We were under the law. The law was given to us as a schoolmaster so that we may come into Christ. He was using that, even though we use that example to describe maturity, Paul used that example to help the Israelites understand that their process, that was their process. He wanted the Gentiles to understand that the Israelites being under the law was God training them for grace. But guess what? Gentile nations didn't even have to go under the law to come into grace. They went straight from rebellion to grace. They went from, Israel couldn't fathom that. Why they didn't have to earn it? Why they didn't have to work for it? This is the beauty of grace. This is the whole message of Ephesians chapter 3, where Paul is saying that this mystery that I'm declaring to you this morning, the Bible says it was hidden. If it was hidden, that means it's special. It says it was hidden for generations. And he says that what God wants to do with this mystery is that God wants to reveal through the church his wisdom, to principalities and powers so that 
As Paul, for example, was in Athens, revealing this to them, teaching them this, the principalities that governed Athens would have been marveled and shocked at the wisdom of God. They would not have imagined that these people that they controlled were actually going to have equal standing in the kingdom of God as sons of God. What God wants to do in this season is that God wants to show off God wants to show off the church and God wants to show off through the church in every system. This is the message that Paul took into Athens. This message what brought a cultural deliverance. When you begin to study history, the Bible, um, not the Bible, sorry, I love love saying the Bible. When you begin to study history, you begin to see how um, um, uh, some noble people, in Athens were saved. Some high-level people in position in Athens were saved as a result of this message that Paul brought into the atmosphere of Athens to the intent that unto principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God is expressed. And I believe that as God did that in Athens through Paul, God wants to reveal, demonstrate, manifest, exude his manifold wisdom, his many-sided wisdom in culture, in society, to the principalities that govern over over nations, over places, over, over spheres of influence. God wants to show off through the church. God wants to show off, uh, uh, God wants to show off his wisdom, his excellencies, his powers. But you know where that begins from? That begins from a people who are faithful stewards of the knowledge of God, who are faithful stewards of the knowledge of God. There is nothing on earth that you see today that is not connected to the happenings in the realm of the spirit. There's nothing that you see on a political level, on a social level, on an economic level. It's always ruled, it's always governed. But what God wants to do is God wants to show off show off his wisdom, show off his power, show off through the church, show off to the church, but show off through the church in your family. God wants to show off his wisdom, right? God wants to show off his many sides, his many sides. When you see where the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, where he says the many-sided wisdom of God, or when God wants to show off his, his multifaceted nature, when you see that, the description there is, is like a coat of many colors, right? He's speaking about the variety of God, right? The church in this season is called to show off God's wisdom. Wisdom in the scripture is not just wise sayings, it's strategies, it's plans, it's purposes. God wants to show off his strategies. God wants to show off his purposes. God wants to show off his, show off, show off his plans, right? To principalities, to demonic principalities, glorifying himself, to, to principalities that are in the kingdom of God, them learning about God, and that translating into what happens on the earth. So that as the showing forth of God happens in the heavens, then there is correspondence on the earth. For whatever happens in heaven will find expression on the earth. This is that mystery that Paul is speaking about. And so I want us to uh, 
be inspired. You know, I started off yesterday by talking about how we need this desire for the excellency of the knowledge of God. I want us to be so inspired, so inspired. The things that we see around us, the cultural issues that we see around us, we can, we can boast in God. We can go boasting God. We can go boasting God because God wants to boast through the church. God wants to boast through your life. Your life is now due for the boasting of God. So Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for what you were doing. Thank you for how you were doing it. Thank you for um, your church. Thank you because we have, we have a greater assignment than this earth. Lord, I pray that your people will actually see what it is that you are saying. We have a greater assignment than this earth. What we're doing is beyond what is around us. Yes, it's, it's to people, it's to individuals, but it's to nations, it's to systems, it's to the heavens. You are doing something so powerful in your church, revealing you are impressing us with your impressions so that we can express your expressions. Father, we thank you. Let the impartation be strong. Let it continue. Let it be encounters. Let it be clarity. Let it be visions of God in the name of Jesus. So, Father, we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that the word will bear maximum fruit in your life. Let us know how this message has impacted you. For more information about our ministry and events, visit our social media handles at Network Edification or send us an email on admin at networkedification.org. Network Edification, advancing the kingdom in all sphere of influence.